my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse... I'm going to Sicily anyway. Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know what happened next. To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Sam Edis. And I'm Amy Nelson. Welcome to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. This is a show about the world's most remarkable women their professional and personal journeys. Together, we'll hear from gold medalists, best-selling authors, and leaders of the world's most iconic brands. Today, we're so excited to introduce you to the world's best female chef, Daniela Soto Innes, who heads up Cosme, Atla, and Elio. Daniela, thank you so much for joining Hola. us today. So how are you such a successful chef and so world-renowned at such a young age? I don't know. <laughs> I just work and then I happen to have a 
the opportunity to talk with people like you that are amazing and I can share my story and hear other people's stories and um, just work a lot and be happy doing so. In reading your story, you know, you immigrated to the U.S. when you were 12. I want to know about that piece of your life. What was that like? Oh, gosh. Well, uh, my mom told us that we were going shopping to Houston, and then we never came back. (laughs) (laughs) I'm from Mexico City, and Mexico City was just not doing very good. And it was a a dangerous place uh, to live in. And um, I'm one of three sisters, and my parents wanted just a safer place for us. And they're, um, they're used to both practice law in Mexico. And we moved to Houston. Uh, I was 12, my other sister was 13, and my oldest sister was 16. We definitely had a culture shock. It was completely different. We went from going to private school to public school and like huge school, uh, but also, um, we grew up doing sports, a lot of sports. Uh, my dad was also, he before law, he was basketball player. And uh, we grew up just playing basketball and swimming a lot and being very competitive in sports. So when we moved to the U.S., the sports were just like a whole different level. So that was what like really kept us happy and really kept us disciplined. Uh, the three, because the three of us together were just like, uh, I don't know how to say it in English, but Remolino, like we're like the Tasmanian devil. (laughs) (laughs) And you were a competitive swimmer. Yes, like I grew up, my three sisters, my uh, sister Carla, the oldest one was actually the best one of us. She was like the fastest like Mexican swimmer at her age. And she hated competing. And uh, when I moved to the US, I uh, we just needed to do sports and swimming was a huge part of us. And I swam until um, the end of high school and I had to pick whether it was cooking or swimming, what I was going to uh, pursue. And I do think there is some similarity between being a competitor in, in as an athlete and then being at the top of your field as a professional. How did those skills translate for you? It's everything. Like uh, growing up with sports teaches you how to be disciplined and uh, depend on a team. You know, you have to be part of a good team in order for you to excel and you have to care for others and you have to make sure that we'll all go at the same time and it doesn't like different positions are always good it's not that another position is better so that for me gave me the structure of you know transferring into the kitchen Uh, now what I do in the kitchen is the same thing no like a dishwasher is the most important position in the kitchen you know the and I always talk about it like if it was like a game or a um, we call it cancha like a football field you know you always have to make sure that you know you're looking at the person that you want to make you know the contact with and they can already follow your movements even though you're not speaking so I when I started cooking I saw that it was completely different in this field it was the women were on pastry 
and the men were, you know, with the touching the hot pans and the chefs most of the time were all men. And I said, like, this is so weird. This is not how I grew up or my essence. So the, every time I cook, I think of that. I think of, you know, having that feeling of becoming a child again and becoming and um, having that, you know, excellence that you have of just being a good teammate. And um, I think it was the best thing that happened to me to do sports. So you get there and you find out hold on, why are, why are women being put in this one area and men are being put in another? How did you react to that? I just worked. I worked towards a goal. And my goal was always to be the one that brought the team together and be the one that had this idea of, let's do this because it works. Let's just, even though I was the the little one that will, I was always the youngest one in the kitchen. And I, I will always say like, if we all care for this person, it's just going to work and everybody will look at me crazy, but then the team will be better. So I focused every, I said to myself, everywhere that I go, I'm going to bring this energy to the places, the energy of being able to have that conjunction with everyone, not just yourself. Daniela, you got your first internship cooking when you were, what, 14? Yes, I was really young. Really, really young. But I, I, I think I started working in restaurants younger, but we shouldn't even talk about that because that was not, you know, I was not supposed to be working. I was supposed to be in swim practice. <laughs> but how did that even happen? How did you get there? My parents were going through a divorce because my dad said, listen, I can't be in the United States. My law firm is in Mexico. So they get divorced. And when they get divorced, my sisters and I didn't want to ask my mom for anything because, you know, we felt bad and we didn't know the situation because my mom will never say anything bad about my dad. So I said, okay. So we started working. We said we were going to be in practice and we will just like have like the little jobs that, you know, like little kids have, I guess. And now that I see it, I'm like, how did somebody even give us a job? You know, <laughs> it's like so bad. <laughs> and uh, then they got back together like eight months later and they got remarried and all of these crazy, crazy. But ever since then, we were like, I think we have to be responsible for our own actions. And if we want nice things, we need to be able to afford it ourselves. And then I got my first opportunity in an internship when I was 14 um, at a hotel. And then I continued being there until 15, 16. And I was a little girl in 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 the hotel that was really excited about everything i will like follow the chef after work and i would be like how did you do that and they will be so weirded out that i was so interested uh and they're like why like i was like i'll wash dishes like for me cooking is not about making a sauce or a, like a turkey for thanksgiving for me cooking is about the flowers that go on the table the conversations that go around you know, like the type of glass that I'm serving with, the type of silverware, like how does the material of the plate feels? Like about how many careers I can have within one place because cooking is about, you know, the habit of um, 
convivir in English is like being with somebody, like having a family. That for me is cooking. And now for a quick break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am, like I am, where it is. This isn't going to work. I, I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. 
My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. How did you meet Enrique Olvera, you know, who, who, who you worked for? Like, how did you meet the chefs that you trained with earlier in your career? So I met Enrique in New York. Then I heard uh, that Enrique was in town doing a dinner with another chef. And they asked me, they invited me to that dinner. And when I was having dinner, Enrique said hi. And I said, funny, I'm going to Mexico City in a couple of weeks. And he said, oh, perfect. I'll be there tomorrow. That night he said, oh, you should come to the restaurant and check it out. And um, then I stayed there for one day in the kitchen and I said, this is all the cooking I did growing up, you know, with my grandma and my great grandma and my mother. But it's not what I do. What I used to do was French, Italian, you know, American cooking. And one week became a month. One month became two months, three months, until six months. And this was a non-paid internship that I was doing. But I said, like, I love, you know, just cooking so much. And it's just an investment of, like, what I really wanted to do in the future. Uh, I didn't want to lose my green card. So I said, Enrique, I have to go back. I'm going to New York to find a chef shop somewhere. I uh, I need to do this for myself. And I feel like I'm starting to get very comfortable here. And uh, he said, do you want to move with this project? And you can be the chef. And I said, yes. The next day I was already in New York. And when I got here, it was the oldest strip club in New York and I said to myself this is what happens to me for getting too excited never asking enough questions like I'm freaking out and I remember feeling like my world was falling apart until they told me later oh no it's going to be a restaurant don't worry we're going to fix it so um, from there to when the restaurant opened was one year and I have no idea how to open a restaurant in New York none of us did And it was just kind of like, Google will tell you absolutely every single answer. And this is, you know, I know this can be possible. (laughs) I will just look it up and find out how to do it. And that's how we did it. We just- What kind of questions were you putting into Google? Just everything, like how to fix this on the toilet, like how, what's an HVAC, like what, like where can I find this refrigeration system, where can I, you know, and it was literally like just, if you want something, you just have to find out how to do it, and it was just kind of like, okay, well, it's going to be really, really hard. I've never done this before, but if I don't try, you know, every single year up to now has been like that, like a new thing. It's like how to do it. I don't know. We'll figure it out. We just have to try. That was which restaurant? This, Cosme. Oh, it was Cosme. Okay, wow. It was Cosme. It was Cosme. And then after that, uh, two years later or three years later, I became a partner um with them and then we opened atla and then um we have elio in vegas and it's been definitely a learning experience 
every day. <laughs> You've talked a lot about team and, and told us a lot about the restaurants. But one thing um, that I know to be true about you is that you are known for building incredible teams in your restaurants that are very welcoming to immigrant communities. Can you talk about that? And, and, and also talk about how we as uh, guests at restaurants can, can help build communities that are inclusive of everyone too. We noticed that most of Latin people that were working in the best restaurants in New York were not the main server or they were on the back or they were not the action, they were not the chef. And we said to ourselves, I think we have the responsibility of maybe giving that opportunity and teaching people how to feel good about having those positions because it's, you know, a lot of, you know, cooks that I've trained here in Cosme as women, they say, no, I'm too scared to take over that position. I'm not good enough to be a sous chef. So everything that we do is very uncommon from when, uh, you know, when somebody comes into my kitchen and they don't know how to hold a knife. And that is like a lot more responsibility on the sous chefs or the chefs of how to train these people. But if we don't teach them, who else will? I think for us, it's just we genuinely want everyone to excel at the same rate because we're on the same field. I remember the only person, the only American person in our team was uh, Jana, who's our beverage director, and she's from New York, and she's amazing, and she will tell us all the time, like, guys, like, you know, this is not common, like, <laughs> this is really, you know, this is really weird. There must be so many people who want to work for you. How, what kind of characteristics do you look for in someone you hire? When they're nice people, like when they're generally like nice people that listen and you can tell when someone is paying attention and when they generally uh, make a mistake and they explain to you how they made the mistake and they are curious about how to make themselves better. And it's one of the coolest things of, you know, being a chef or being a chief or a leader is like watching other people around you grow. And like, what are they doing? And like, how are they growing differently from you? And what did they do in order for them to take that extra step? Was it like, was it something some, like an advice that you told them? Was it something exciting that happened to them on the next restaurant that they went to? Or they moved to Mexico or they moved to back to their country? You know, I think it's like the most fun thing to watch. How has the pandemic affected your business? I know that you had plans to open two new restaurants last summer that were put on hold. What has that been like for you? Everything happened too fast where like all the restaurants closed without like any warning, without anything. The scariest part always is your team. Like what is going to happen? Like how are we going to do it? Rent is $50,000 from one restaurant or, you know, and it's just, just thinking how to make it work for your team always. But then it's like, if we don't have a restaurant later, how is your team going to have a job later? Cosme was closed for almost seven months. Atla wow. was closed for one month because we had the to-go platform. And it's those, those kind of risks that you don't want to take 
you know, you don't, you say, I, we're not doing food to go from the beginning. Now everything, your whole world just changed to like, you must do a to go platform. And that's the thing about the world. There is always going to, there was always a war. There was always uh, kind of a depression. There was always a virus in every like decade or two or three. Our minds know how to do evolution like how to evolve, how to adapt, because we have to, you know. So every day is a change, even from a change of menu from the guests that are coming in. Um, we changed the restaurant to only have a 25% capacity, but we were able to have a different experience. Um, and we learn a lot from that. We learn, you know, that sometimes we like a slower pace. And now for a quick break. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, if... no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. How have you evolved as a leader of the team? Oh my God, it was definitely a slowdown and just how do you give the directions to your team differently in a more like slower pace and maybe someone will just move up, you know, from that. Maybe they don't need someone to be next to them at all times. I've always had the habit of talking to the team. Uh, but now it's more. It's my job is more to make sure that everyone is okay to work, not just uh, health wise. My job right now, just listening and understanding what to do next and how to evolve from this. How did you make those difficult decisions about who to keep and whether to pay your team, even though they weren't working? <sighs> from the different exercises that we do of how the person developed through the years that they were with us. You have to see who had the higher grades. And from there, like you call your team, you know, and you have uh, round A, round B, round C, and you have to make those decisions. And it's really hard. It's really, really hard. And it puts you in a position that you don't ever want to be. You put yourself into a situation where if there is not a restaurant, there are no jobs. There will be zero jobs instead of 20 jobs. Right. So you have to be able how to explain that. And I think at the beginning, employees just everywhere in like the world didn't understand these changes that the company were having. But the more that they are aware of the news, when they're more educated about what's happening out there, now they understand. So you've been, you've been named the best yeah. female chef in the world, which is amazing. Um, and I mean, is there a best male chef award? I know, right? I know. <laughs> <laughs> At the beginning, I didn't want to take it because I was really hesitant. And I've always been like, uh, like you know, we're the same, and there's no difference, especially in cooking, like or like other, you know, it's kind of like a. And then uh, the president of of uh, Fifty Best, she said, "Well, when there is actually like when the voting system actually has more than." three women on the top 10, we're going to stop doing this award because it's still like women are not getting recognized. The kitchen is always traditionally the women's domain. So why wouldn't that translate to having a lot of top women chefs? It's ridiculous. Everyone wants to know that. But I always think like these kind of uh, words are a magnet for 
uh, talent. And mm. for me, that's what it means, and that's it. Uh, the more that I get to work with talented people, and the more that, like, you know, my name is out there, so women can feel empowered to to have a job that yeah. provides for other people, or to be just an example, you know, when I got that word, I would receive letters, like hundreds, like thousands of letters from little girls around, oh like, Latin gosh. America about, you know, like, you, I just enrolled to culinary school or I'm not going to culinary school because I cannot afford it. But one day I'm going to visit you. Wow. For me, if that, if that award takes somebody to push themselves in a way to like believe in themselves and think that they can do something and they didn't feel that about themselves before that, it's worth it. We usually end before Lou comes on with some kind of rapid fire questions. Definitely more lighthearted than a lot of this amazing conversation, but I'll, you know, I'll, I'll begin. Even if your nighttime routine is at 2 a.m., what is your nighttime routine before you go to bed? My nighttime routine. Okay, so I drink a tea and it depends on how I feel. I have like maybe like hundreds of different type of teas and flowers. And if I feel like, you know, like I just need to like mellow, I have a lotus a flower tea. And then uh, listen to good music and then do my uh, my face routine. Uh, and then I got to sleep. Who would be your dream guest in your restaurant to cook for that you haven't yet had a chance to, to have? Serena Williams. I heard that your favorite food is Mexican. I don't understand. Where are you? <laughs> it it was michelle obama but i got to cook for her so it was really awesome (laughs) what is your favorite cocktail if it's cocktail mezcal negroni or mezcal margarita depends i love mezcal margarita too and amy and i cannot wait to visit your restaurants post-covid please (laughs) please and here's Lou. Lou has been listening to this entire interview. He did not do any research on you. So the only thing he knows about you is what he's heard in this interview. And he is going to ask our final question. Okay. Hi, Daniela. Hi, Lou. Don't make me nervous with the <laughs> <Okay>. last question. <laughs> I'll do my best to not do that. Um, your story and, and how you came to glory reminds me of a a conversation I was having with a middle school friend who actually during the pandemic, she decided to just take the leap of faith and, and actually start her cooking business. And, and she's doing everything from home and she's so excited about it and her passion and her excitement. Her name is Brenda Norales. And when this comes out, I'm going to point her at this podcast so she can get inspired by you because she inspired me. And one of her main things is she wants to make Haitian food like a, a five-star cuisine, you know, like French and Italian food, you know, so it can like stand up there. But um, my question is, is when you were talking about just cooking as a general, you made it seem like the universe, like it was way more than just simplify a pan or you. And I want to know, how did you develop that perspective on cooking? What cultivated your passion and desire for it? I think when you're touching ingredients and when you're cooking, you're using your five cents and you're always aware of other things that sometimes you don't notice, but when you can achieve the concentration of what actually it means to a cook to just hold that, you know, squash into their hands and understand all the work that goes behind that squash 
And what you can do in order for these to taste so delicious is your own work. When, when you um, cook for a culture representation, you cook for more than yourself. It's just your roots and it just goes so far beyond, you know, what a dish is. And I think like it's mostly about caring and how you project that current, like the caring into a dish or into a moment. Thank you so much, Daniela. This was incredible. Thank you. I think what's so interesting is that she, it almost reminds me of like the old school ways people used to learn about a field. And not only is she an incredible manager and an inspiring leader, but she also had this attitude when she was just starting out that I think it's hard to find. I remember, you know, when I first started out as an assistant in Hollywood as my first job, like I would do anything to learn. I was the first one in the office, the last one to leave. I got my boss's coffee. I went and bought him clothes when he needed them. Like I was just there to be a sponge and do anything. And there was nothing someone could ask me to do that that I wouldn't be just excited about. And I feel like she, because I wanted to learn an industry and she she did that and look where it's taken her. It's pretty amazing. And, and to harken back to another point, which you mentioned, which is the one that really stuck with me, it is the management and leadership piece. I mean, Danielle is 29 years old and I feel like she could lead a masterclass for all of us, whatever industry we're in, on how to lead and how to manage. She talked a lot about the power of team and about how everyone is in it together and how every person's role in a team matters so much. And I think part of that is because she did, she did act as an apprentice, essentially, right, in the kitchen. And so she got to see all of the different roles from the bottom up. And one thing that's also really clear about Daniela is that even when she was in what you would call is the most junior role, perhaps, you know, starting in the kitchen when she was 14, it sounds like she spoke up and that she advocated for others. And I think just to have that as someone who is able to model leadership is remarkable. Daniela definitely inspires me to want to be a better leader and to apply a lot more of what she explained as kind of like the team athletics analogies to the workplace. I mean, she's she's really quite something. I can't wait to see where she's going to be in 10 years. Agreed. Well, that was remarkable. And I'm also really excited to go eat at her restaurants the next time we can head to New York. I can't wait for us to eat at her restaurants. It's going to be so much fun. Thanks for listening to What's Her Story with Sam and Amy. We would so appreciate if you would leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, connect with us on social media at What's Her Story Podcast. What's Her Story with Sam and Amy is powered by my company, The Riveter, at theriveter.co and Sam's company, Park Place Payments, at parkplacepayments.com. Thanks to our producer, Laurel Moglin, our podcast associate, Emma Hard, and our male perspective, Lou Burns. Sorry about my headphones. I promise I will try to make my ears bigger. And I just have somebody just no. on my <laughs> Mine, like, mine don't fit either. And they're just driving me nuts. Maybe yeah, you could try it. flipping them upside down. I, I read that's a cool trick to do. You should have told me that an hour ago. <laughs> Are you kidding? My whole life, I've been told this one story about my family, about how my great-great-grandmother was killed by the mafia back in Sicily. I was never sure if it was true, so I decided to find out. And even though my Uncle Jimmy told me I'd only be making the vendetta worse, I'm going to Sicily anyway. 
Come to Italy with me to solve this 100-year-old murder mystery. Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, from Wonder Media Network, I'm Jenny Kaplan, host of Womanica, a daily podcast that introduces you to the fascinating lives of women history has forgotten. We've always been intrigued by stories of disappearances. Whether it's a fraudster from the 17th century who kept evading the authorities, or a novelist who taunted the Nazis and faked her own death, we all want to know, what happened next? To find out, listen to Amanica on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, I'm Dr. Maya Shunker, and I'm a scientist who studies human behavior. Many of us have experienced a moment in our lives that changes everything, that instantly divides our life into a before and an after. On my podcast, A Slight Change of Plans, I talk to people about navigating these moments. Their stories are full of candor and hard-won wisdom. And you'll hear from scientists who teach us how we can be more resilient in the face of change. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, stories from the frontiers of marketing. This week, I'm talking to acclaimed musician and entrepreneur, Pitbull. I think that education is the real revolution because as much as we speak about all the problems that there is in society and the world today, my mother's always told me, son, don't worry, the world's always been coming to an end. Don't let it scare you out of living. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 